0: Hello and welcome to a super spooky episode of the FishCast. I'm Joe Rogan. And I am Kanye West. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So this is sort of going to be a different kind of episode. It's sort of like a little, a little mini episode, a little extra bonus episode, because today we're talking about the second or maybe fourth. Officially released Fishman's live album, Long Season 96, at the Akasaka Blitz. What's the date? 96. 96-12-26. Hey, that's true. Alright. So, yeah, we're super busy this month. We weren't really sure where to slot this album into our review sequence, so we're doing it here as a little bonus. This album is a weird one. As its title suggests, it was recorded in December... 26. 26 On Boxing December 26th. 1996 at the Akasaka Blitz in Tokyo during the Kuchu Camp long-season set of shows and this was nearly two years before that iconic 1998 show that would take place at the exact same venue that we're all so familiar
1: with and that is infinitely better as well
0: Like you know looking at these fishman's live shows I always wonder like are there not that many venues in Japan because like I, I always like look at their tours for each episode and it Seems like every tour they're playing at like Liquid Room the Akasaka
1: Blitz Like, those are the venues. Club Quattro. I mean, (laughs) how many other venues do you need? I mean, it's not like they're that huge anyway, that they're gonna be playing all across the country in different parts of the world. That's true. Keeping it local.
0: True, true. So the weird thing about this album is that like even though it was recorded in 1996 before a few of their other live albums It wasn't actually released on a physical edition until nearly 20 years after that show So the remastered version of the show was finally released in June of 2016 kind of during that like uh, mid 2010s like popularity resurgence of Fishman's in the West rate your music What's that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder like what was the demand or like what was the reason for this album coming out? I mean I know it was like the 20th anniversary year of the show happening, but you know like why did they pick this show to reissue, did it have anything to do with the band sort of like becoming popular again? Do you
1: know? I mean I know you weren't listening I, to the band in 2016. I wasn't, I mean I think uh, I was in some radio music circles and I <laughs> and I, I was friends with people that really liked Fishman's. and. I don't know I don't remember hearing about it I think maybe 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 this was like the last show they played on this tour. it's mm-hmm. the 20th anniversary and maybe they just thought this was <laughs> needed to make some money <laughs> also because I believe I don't know anything about like <laughs> labels and all that but this is the only album not on Spotify and I feel like that has something to do with the label but all the other the label, albums are yeah. so I don't know yeah. if it's like a different label that reissued it or released it.
0: Yeah, well, well but, yeah, it wasn't Polydor. I saw that. Wasn't it universal? Yeah, it was, it was universal, but, well,
1: <laughs> that's the problem.
0: What was cool about this album coming out so late is that we can actually see some, like, fan reaction on Rate Your Music, because, like, you know, it came out in 2016, so if you go back to the Rate Your Music page of this album and scroll up to the comments, there was, like, a period where the album had been announced but people weren't really sure, like, what they were going to get people who like were unaware of the set list so there was a lot of excitement around that time of just like fans in the west and around the world who saw this was coming out and they were like yo what's this new ish fishman's album who's fishman so i think that's kind of cool and i mean i hope that that happens again so we can have that like experience of getting like a quote unquote new fishman's release yeah that'd be fun uh so yeah so this is both the second And fourth Fishman's live album in chronology is the second because it comes after O Mountain in terms of chronology But before Hachigatsu in 98, but it's also the fourth in terms of actually being released So that's why we're talking about it here Even though this performance happened before Uchu, which was our last episode We really should have talked about it back then, but here we are. I don't know It's really like also. I'm pretty sure the only official like archival release by the band Is that true? Um... Like, in terms yeah, of the I whole album, it, not just, yeah, no, like, a song. I, yeah, no,
1: I think it might be.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we were we were talking about this earlier today, is this idea of, like, when bands have all this stuff it's kind of, like, sitting around, why don't they just release it to make money? And that's why my question is, like, why this show? Because we know that, like, Fish pretty much recorded all of their live shows in, like, great studio quality, and there's a lot of great shows that have, like, bootlegs going around the internet. So I'm just like, clearly there's there's a huge demand by the fans to listen to all these shows in great quality. You know... Why don't they release it? We will pay them for it. If there's a vinyl of, like, every Fishman show with a cool cover, cool liner notes, what's a I band will spend, like, 20 bucks on that bad boy. A band? Oh. What I mean is, like, as you compared like <laughs> the situation yeah, to... I, I compare everything to gorillas. But yeah. it, it does remind me of gorillas, or just bands that have a lot of, like, old demos or things sitting around that they kind of, like, refuse to release, even though there's, like, big fan support for it. So yeah, I just wonder, you know, I mean, we know that Fishman's were for a while like trying to do like a GoFundMe to make that documentary that they're making. I mean, we know now that they're already making it, but I'm like, you wouldn't have even need to have made a GoFundMe if you had just, you know, like press 98 on vinyl or released all these shows on streaming or something. You know, shout
1: out to cloud funding.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not sure, buddy. Yeah, and like you said, the other weird thing with this record is, like, the width of its release. So this was officially released by the band, but it's still unavailable on Spotify and Apple Music in the U.S. I know in some other countries it is on Spotify. Oh. I don't know. I've, I've seen screenshots of it, so I don't know what's up with that. I think it must be label stuff. So that makes it, like, at least before now, it was pretty difficult to find and listen to legally. I know a lot of fans haven't heard it, but thankfully, just last month, a cool homie by the name of Marco One Keen just uploaded all of these songs individually to YouTube. So you can go find those. Major shout out to, I mean, what's his name again? Marco One Keen. Marco. I commented on his page, I mean, each of the songs, aside from the long season rendition, only has like 20 views so far. So um, yeah, but like what's weird for me is just that no one's heard this album. Like I know we're, we're currently doing our Fishman's All Time Poll. And we've been getting a ton of results in, so thank you if you sent yours in. But what I've noticed is that, like, a lot of people don't even rank this album because they haven't heard it. And if they do rank it, they rank it very low because I don't think they've heard it, like, enough times
1: to really have, like, a relationship with it. Either them. that or for reasons that we'll get into later on in the episode. Um, my, my main question was, if the purpose of a label releasing an artist's music is to make money, <laughs> why don't they make it... More widely available. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why are they keeping it from us? It
0: feels like a fun little present, like a little secret that people don't know about. The kind of the, the kind of album you can be like, that's actually my favorite Fishman's live album, and then people will be like,
1: what? Someone that I know and that I've met on Radio Music um, said that this version, and it, it's valid, but the version of Long Season on this album was his favorite.
0: Oh, yeah, that's fair. Which I mean, is I fair. Think cool. I mean,
1: but like that's the only. Opinion like that that I've heard. I don't know many people if at all that would call this their favorite Fishings album
0: So here's what's strange for me I looked on at your music and this album actually has slightly more rankings than Hachigatsu Which I was really surprised by like I know Hachigatsu wasn't like a huge release But at the time of this recording Gatsu only had 310 ratings and this album had 342 and, like, it's, what's really funny is you can compare that to O Mountain, which has 417 ratings, and then 98, which has 7133. <laughs> so I think between these four live albums, we can really see, like, which ones people care about. <laughs>
1: I low-key thought they had more than that.
0: That's kind of Yeah, sad. I mean, I see O Mountain everywhere. So I, I at least assume that O Mountain had, like, a thousand ratings. What 80s. does everywhere mean? I don't know. In okay. Fishman circles. But either way, I mean, I guess we know that and, you know, with our O-Mountain episode, that was also our least-viewed episode on YouTube. Makes so support, no guys. One, no one cares about these albums, which is why we're not really putting that much effort into this episode. Um, so, slightly more casual for this episode. We're not going to do any, like, adjectives, because we don't want to waste our remaining letters on this and not on 98. Also, I'm really bad at them. Yeah, but any thoughts on this cover art, Chris? I know it's kind of, like, divisive among fans. Is it
1: divisive? It's one of my favorite. Oh, on radio music, yes, yeah, and
0: people were talking some smack about it. I think
1: the only issue I could see with it is that it's like not consistent with the rest of like the Fishman's art.
0: Yeah, that's what people said.
1: That's about it. It's really cool. Like the same could be said for that re-release of Night Cruising in twenty eighteen. So I don't know if it's just like a new wave of like, I don't know, the people who do art for Fishman. Yeah, and I think that's to be expected,
0: because this came out like 20 years after those early albums, so yeah, the art definitely doesn't really fit into that earlier aesthetic, because they have, so cool. they do have different designers doing it. It is really cool. I think outside of Hachigatsu, this is probably like the weirdest Fishman's cover. It reminds me of like a Rorschach Inc. blot kind of deal, but it's like colorful, and there's some cool like shapes and stuff. I don't know. It's I don't think so it captures the vibe of the music very well, but it's nice to look at. Wait, be what cool do you mean? Have, I think it- like I think
1: it captures it perfectly. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what about it does it not capture? I don't know, maybe it's be- I feel like it's because I associate all the songs
0: that they're playing here like with their respective albums and the aesthetics of those albums' art. So then like, I don't know, taking a song like in the backbeat or like something from Kuchu and putting this cover on it feels kind of wrong to me, because I just picture like the Kuchu or the Uchu cover
1: in the most superficial way possible i could just say that um like the cover itself all these songs the uh, these renditions of these songs are a lot more colorful than they normally Ooh, are and in a funky, more yeah. they are they are funky we will get to that them, yeah So,
0: yeah, cool cover. I think it's great. Um, I don't know what else they could have done, but I'm glad that they're kind of doing something new with the reissue covers instead of just having, like, a picture of Shinji. So I think it's interesting.
1: Yeah, like all those bootleg covers. (laughs) Like, I see you, they're all just pictures of the band. (laughs) They're all trying to kind of
0: recreate, like, the 98 cover, I feel like. And look,
1: I appreciate it.
0: Okay, so before we get into talking about the album, uh, there was this great comment on Rate Your Music. I guess, like, around the time this album came out, there was sort of, like, a press release about what it was, or maybe just about the band. And Rate Your Music user Thomas STC posted this excellent quote-unquote translation of the album description on Rate Your Music, and I thought it was funny. So it said, FISHMANS, in all caps, with an exclamation point. Vocalist Shinji Sato died narrowly in 1999. Then the 21st century should be noted that many of the musicians, artists, aloof of the band, that continues attracting hot love from the new generation of listeners. (laughs) 10 albums and numerous masterpieces who were created in the 1990s, Somewhere painful music and a hybrid of Fishman's rang. reggae, dub, Rokutso di Keynote was dissolved rock, funk, elements of hip-hop, hybrid sound. On top of that, vocalist, Songura Writer of the Sound Shinji Sato, a very natural and a transparent dawn, was portray the with the core of the life world. Resale of the best album to commemorate the 25th anniversary of his debut this year. Tour conducted for the first time in 11 years, announced and released live album, Long Season 96, at Akasaka Blitz. To commemorate this, deliver their live video. Keep an ear from
1: them this year. So I don't know what that's saying. It's saying... (laughs) It's a bad translation. But it's also... I like the word life world.
0: I like the word hot love. Like, I think they're talking about, you know, how the band did stuff in the 90s, but now they're attracting, like, a new generation. It's just, like, funny that it translated to, hot, like, hot passion. Love. I feel like that's true, because it's not just people being, like, oh, there's this is cool old band. It's them being, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that was nice, and that's basically how I feel about this album. Oh, also, before we start, I want to ask you something we had talked about recently. So, with, like, the announcement of the Travis Scott Cactus Jack <laughs> meal at McDonald's, it got me thinking about like what if other artists had meals and we I think there's a Jay Balvin, Jay Balvin meal. There is a J Balvin meal. At McDonald's now, so I'm like, bro, like if there was a fishman's meal at McDonald's,
1: what would it consist of? Um, I think two hot and spicy <laughs> and a filet of fish with bacon. <laughs> With bacon on the filet of fish With oh. bacon on the filet fish coming with, um, I don't know, a cup of water with no a cup ice. A of water. I
0: like that, because you now it ties back to, like, obviously Fishman's, but hot and spicy. Maybe, like, some Kingmaster, like, seafood ins- restaurant on yeah, fire, right? Yeah,
1: and instead of and mineral fries, water, yeah. yeah, instead of fries, you would get, um, I don't know five-piece chicken. chicken. That's a yeah. lot of food. Because <laughs> <laughs> fish fans have a lot of you know, I
0: was, You know, I was kind of, I didn't really get a, that detail of an answer when I was thinking about it, but I don't know if you remember, like, maybe a decade or so ago, they had these like fish McBites at McDonald's, they were like little fish nuggets. That sounds terrifying. They were really good. And I was thinking maybe like a fish McBite, but with like some sriracha sauce, like something a bit spicy, you know, because it's, it's the spicy fish, that's kind of the vibe. But either way, I think that would be great. I'm, like, I would be embarrassed to go to McDonald's and ask for a Cactus Jack meal. But I think asking for a Fishman's meal would be... And you don't have to say it like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I get the Shinji Sato special?
0: Maybe, we'll see. Maybe with the release of that documentary in the near future, there will be some corporate tie-ins with McDonald's and a the movie. There's a
1: huge demand for Fishman's <laughs> McDonald's tie-ins.
0: <laughs> and I think I asked you before, I mean, just off Fishman's, like if you had to choose one musical artist who you think would have like the most interesting McDonald's meal,
1: who would it be, I think you said Scott Walker. Scott Walker? I didn't say Scott or Walker. Or John Barcay. Coltrane, I think we were talking about. We talked. Yeah, we just,
0: what did we say? Except the... for Coltrane, it would be like some really clashing ingredients that you don't think would go together. I would just say like a McRib. A McRib, <laughs> that's true. Damn. So, I don't know. McDonald's CEO. A McRib. Hit us up.
1: With... Cheshwam songs.
0: Oh, I hate that. Okay, let's get into the album. We're not going to play clips of these songs. We're just going to go through them pretty fast. So, we open with O Crime, or also O Slime. I know on some versions of the album, it's listed as both. This is the
1: best O song.
0: You think? I think what's cool is, like, we first got O Crime on O-Mountain, but that was like a radically different version. Like the version we get here is the first recorded version on an official release of like what it would ultimately start sounding like in those later albums.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Like I think... I think the main difference between this version and the version on 98 that would be like the most comparable, I guess, is that version... uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like because I would normally say like that's the best one because it's on the best album. But there's something really, really, like, interesting about what's going on here. Um, it feels less, like, rehearsed. It's a lot more—it's a crazy song. This one's like, more like a jam. It's a jam. Like, it's I a think jam. The one yeah. on 98 is a bit more—it feels
0: just like an intro to the album. it's really Whereas cool. this one feels like its own song, kind of. Like, we open with some excellent Shinji squawking in this version that we don't get on any other version.
1: That's, like, the first sound you hear on this album is—
0: Shinji squawking. <laughs> it's insane. Well, and I, like I, I was reading, I read your music, and it seemed like a common criticism of this album, or at least like the mixing and mastering, is that Shinji's vocals are too far forward in the mix. So it sounds like, like particularly on this track, like the band kind of gets buried. I think a lot of people are saying it doesn't really bother me
1: though. I think it sounds I fine. I wouldn't even say that. I think his vo- I think his vocals are a little. <laughs> They're a little too loud, but it doesn't detract from the album at all. I it seemed think.
0: like there was a conspiracy theory among some people on Rate Your Music that, like, since this album was mixed later than it was recorded, like it was mixed in 2016, that it was like a conscious choice on Zach's part to put Shinji's vocals so far forward in the mix because there was like this growing mythology around Shinji. But I feel like that's I don't know, like, there's no proof or evidence of I that. I that's <laughs> just how they mixed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, this one's really cool. Um, and a hot take this. Yeah, th- like you said, this is my favorite version of this song. At least in terms of listening to it like on its own, I think I would return to this one more. The bass that comes in around like the four minute mark. Um, oh. Like I think that's what's interesting too, is like the bass is also mixed really heavy here, like really high. And it reminded me of how the bass was mixed on O Mountain. Like yeah. these tracks have a have a much like dubbier kind of feel.
1: Also, um, something you don't get in the ninety eight or even the O Mountain version of O Crime is that like is it like it's a key they the keyboard melody? And then like the violin oh, plays, true. It yeah, too. there's like and this Shinji like sings it sings along yeah. to it too. Yeah.
0: And then there's also like a really cool uh Hanzi solo. Is that what you're talking about? Oh my about? oh that too. There's, oh. and there's also a, like this crazy guitar solo, like a blistering. Oh. <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> okay. I think this is also um, like Maybe this whole album has, like, some of my favorite darts performances on it, because I feel like the guitar is just brought out a lot in these tracks, and there's a lot of, like, really wild guitar solos that you definitely don't get on, like, the studio recordings. But it's also a bit more restrained on even, like, 98. Like, I think the guitar here is just really cool.
1: Because 98 felt different. It felt like ushering the band in like one by one this was yeah, more just, it's like, just like we're all here we're, all, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and we're playing
0: so I, I love this version I think it's a perfect start to the album 10 out of 10 song best version of the song
1: yeah no shade to any other version of this <laughs> song but this is the best one I'm sorry
0: cool and then we go into the second track which is go go around this world so <laughs> I realize we've never actually talked about the studio version of the song because it's kind of like a b-side non-album single kind of
1: thing it's, not, it, it's not a. It's an ace. It's, it's side. an ace, but it's but a, like you know. I know yeah. what you mean.
0: Non-album single. So we are going to talk about the studio version in depth on a later episode.
1: Just know that this but, is not the version. Yeah, they they do you, not play the original? What are your brief version? thoughts on the studio version? I think it's really fun. Really, really cool. It's like that. Um, it's one of the songs they do with like. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to say Shibuya K again. Oh, but yeah, it's a lot more yeah. like.
0: Fun. Poppy, yeah, Poppy it's and Poppy. yeah. Like, the, uh, my favorite part of the original song is that like la 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 like chorus. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is like there's also on the original single, there's that naked funk version of the song which gets rid of that chorus and it's much more funky. And I feel like that's kind of the version that they're going off of for yeah, this live performance because they also get rid of the chorus. But I honestly don't mind because like most of this version is kind of, this feels like the proper intro to this set of songs. Like, uh, it's a huge, like, five-minute
1: build-up to oh, okay. getting into actual, when, like, Shinji vocals. When the Shinji vocals come in, too, it's right after, Um, I think it's the violin starts playing some stuff. And his voice, it, it sounds like, I don't hear, like, when he starts singing, because his voice is, like, blended in with the other instrument. Yeah, and then you hear him, like, go right into that melody. It's pretty hot stuff. There's, like, multiple drops
0: here, too, because, like, the first four minutes of the song are kind of a build-up. And then around the four-minute mark, there's this big, like, grooving section with this, like, oh. kind of, like, a mix of, like... Uh, synths and guitars and it's just like super like funk rock like probably the most funk rocky the Fishman's have ever been
1: these the first two songs on this album really get you hyped for an album that doesn't live up to the quality (laughs) of these first two songs yeah it's very
0: this is probably the one on this album that's the most radically different from its studio but then after that like First build up and drop, you get another build up, and then it's mm-hmm. only after that that Shinji actually comes in, and you realize that like, oh, they're playing Go Go around this world. <laughs> yeah, no, like without
1: without Shinji coming in, I would have no idea. Yeah, it's because like they
0: stretch it out to be like nine minutes long
1: until. Oh my God, it's so cool. Is that Go? Like <laughs> I love like them bringing. I don't know, because like before I listened to this song, I was only familiar with the single version, and I didn't realize that they were going to, like, I don't know, they were going to do the Naked Funk version. Yeah, so,
0: but not, I don't even know, if, like, they're doing the Naked Funk version, but they're like, it's e- even it's that difficult. version yeah. is only, like, four minutes long. Like, the I studio. know. So I just, when it started, <laughs> I'm
1: like, is this, is this
0: wrong? Oh, give me. So it's like a double surprise. Because like yeah. when the song starts, you're like, oh, are they even playing the song? But then when they actually get into Go Go Around This World, you're like, oh, they're playing like a different version of the song. And it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Darts on this song is really doing some cool stuff, too. Like his guitar tone, it sounds like really choppy, like a blender. It's like cycling around. A blender. It's so cool. Um, and then... Just, I don't know, when, like, when the song actually, like, starts at, like, five minutes in with the lyrics, it's definitely, like, I don't know, I think the first, like, the intro is cooler than the actual song, but the song itself is played, like, really well, and I feel like this is one of the few moments that Fishman's, like, rock in a traditional sense, because normally Fishman's are just kind of, like, groovy or, like, jammy, but here they're, like, a straight-up, like, rock band, and it, like, it goes hard.
1: Did you just say that the quote unquote song part of the song is song part of the, the song. intro?
0: It's true. I, don't I, know.
1: I wouldn't say that. Yeah. I think it's all, like one whole piece and it's perfect and it's amazing.
0: Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but around like the seven minute, 10 second mark, there's this really weird like robotic sample of like a voice and it's saying like, Wah. I don't remember. I don't know
1: what's going I on. I literally just listened to this a couple if hours ago and I forgot. you know
0: what that sample is, please comment. Please tell us. I don't know. But um, this is, I would say, like, honestly, I love this song so much. It's my number one song on this album. It's my favorite Fishman's live performance up until this point. I think, like, because I don't know you can either get two things when you're going to Fishman's live show, I think. And it's either, like, they're playing, like, a pretty straightforward rendition of a track or they're doing some real wacky stuff. And for me, I've always kind of preferred the wacky stuff, at least in terms of, like, re-listening to an album. Because, you know, like there are plenty of great renditions, like even later on this album of studio tracks. But if I want to listen to that song, I'll just go listen to the studio track. Like for me to really want to revisit one of these live versions, it has to be like totally different and new.
1: Or at the very least, if they're not going to completely change the structure and playing of the track, at least add some different energy to it. Yeah. Um, so
0: speaking of straightforward renditions of songs, <laughs> the next song is "Nantitano" from King Master George. And, yeah, it's pretty much just them non-totano. playing Non-Tatano. Yeah. It's, it's great if you
1: if you like non which I know. I like Non-Tatano. It's an oh, excellent most track. Most of our listeners do because yeah. they ranked it as, like, the best song of early Fishman's. So that, what that means is that this is an excellent track. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. My favorite, maybe, like, unique part of this is Shinji. He introduces the song with a little spoken section, and part of that he says, King Master George. Is that what he said? I didn't, he does say oh, that, yeah. It's great. Good for him. <laughs> it's very wholesome. But, um, you know, I mean, I feel like, this is part of like maybe the first two tracks, like you said, sort of build your anticipation that this is gonna be like Fishman's going off the rails, Fishman's is like a funk rock band, and then you get to Nandetano and they're kind of just playing it and you're like, oh, like this is just gonna be a Fishman's live album.
1: So it could Save be for a couple tracks. Disappointing,
0: but... but I think it's fun. And what I was telling you before is like I think this album is distinct from the other Fishman's like live studio albums in regard to like, you know, this album is purely just like a live show. Like I know Zach remastered it and stuff, but I think this one has like the least amount of studio meddling and stuff after the case. So whereas stuff like Hachigatsu and like 98 definitely has like a narrative to it and a lot of editing and it's presented as like a bit more of like a studio album. This one is literally just like a live show. So I don't think we should really judge this album as like how well it holds up as an album. More just like if we were alive back then and we were like going to a Fishman show, would we be satisfied if this
1: was the show we got? Yeah, and it'd be more than satisfied. And I'm still more than satisfied listening to it as an album.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm always just surprised at like how well they actually like uh, transfer that studio sound to the live show. Because I know like a lot of bands sound totally different when you see them live. But I feel like Fishman sound like pretty much the same in terms of like the instrumental quality and like the vocal performances. Like they do a really good job of capturing that studio sound.
1: Yeah. Wow! So, wow, well, Good job. Good job, guys. <laughs> I should mention before we move on. Um, I think I remember you saying that you don't like the keyboard tone that plays the main <gasps> melody. Oh, did, did I? you say that? If you take it back, no. Like, I think, I, I, just think, I, it's I, think nice. I said that in the um, the studio version,
0: because yeah, I, I don't either know. either. Either studio. No, like it like oh, okay. No, I just I feel like it's it definitely improves here and in uh 98. No, I feel like the studio non-Detano keyboard melody is a little colder and the live ones feel a bit more like.
1: Lush I was talking about just the tone though.
0: Oh well no, no the the know. interesting tone thing for me on this track was like you know that baseball organ that they always use? They they bring it in near the end of this version and they're playing like really fast, like choppy notes on it. Mm-hmm. So I actually think it sounds cool. It sounds kind of like eight-bitty. Even though I know it's not like 8-bit music, but I yeah. think it's interesting how when you take that like awful baseball organ tone, but you just shorten it, it kind of <laughs> sounds like an 8-bit synth. <laughs> wow. Well,
1: they were ahead so, of the game. Yeah,
0: I don't know. <laughs> this is a good song.
1: No, actually, not really. You know what I mean.
0: Uh, fourth track is another pretty straightforward rendition of Doyobi no Yoru, also from King Master George.
1: I, this is... This is more in line with the O Mountain version, which <laughs> is the worst version of Dayobi no Yoru. But true. of course, of course, it has its I, fans. As I've said before, these are still Fishman's tracks and they're all excellent. So this I have no true. problem with it. I it's definitely prefer else to say.
0: this version of the O Mountain one. I remember on our O Mountain episode, I'm really critical of that version because, like, Studio Dayobi, I feel like, has this certain quality where it kind of like it's, it's really tight. Like, it, it's just like in the pocket and it just kind of like goes hard. But this is live, out of the park. Yeah, no, it's like they they take the the sort of tightness of the song in the O Mountain version and this and they kind of make it like more loose and it's a bit more funky, but I feel like the song kind of loses its character and it it like just kind of starts sounding like any other Fishman song. But the reason I like this version more is because there's a little bit more experimentation going on like near the middle. There's kind of like an instrumental jam part And um, the last 20 seconds get, like, really, like, hard rocky almost. There's this really cool crescendo. So I I think this one's just slightly more interesting than the O Mountain one.
1: Yeah, it's like if you're going to mess with Do Yobi No Yoru and turn it into something else. (laughs) Sample Aphex Twin. Exactly. (laughs) Or just play the song the way it was meant to be played.
0: Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that. And I mean, I maybe I don't know. <laughs> so it's hard for me cuz like I always complain like with 98, I'm like why don't they play doyobi no Yoru with that show? But it's like if they're going to play it like this, I'd rather them just like not play
1: it. I feel like <laughs> if I were at a live show and they were going to play Doyobi no Yoru though, oh, I'd rather cool. th- I'd rather them play this <laughs> than like the original song cuz I feel like hearing the original song in a live setting played the way it was recorded it would not be nearly as fun. Yeah,
0: there's something very like headphony or, like, car speakery yeah. about the original Dayobi. And I, maybe we're alone in thinking this, because I know, like, original Dayobi isn't actually that popular among fans. I At think in all. our new poll, like, no spoilers. I mean, neither no, no Dayobis are going to end up in the top ten tracks because people don't like it. But way more people are voting for the Dayobi on mountain than the Kingmaster So Unbelievable. I guess we're in the minority. And I remember when we had Chops on the Kingmaster episode, and we told him that Dayobi was, like, our favorite song on that album. He was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. Um... Okay, so if we're talking about like the most straightforward rendition of a song on the whole album, it would, be, in my opinion, be track five, which is Bakubito Ninokate from Uchu.
1: I feel like this does the uh, I don't know if opposite's the right word, but it takes, um, instead of just like playing the track straight, it sort of takes the track, which is very dreamy and atmospheric, and takes away all the dreaminess in the atmosphere.
0: Oh, you feel like? I feel like this is just like exactly the same experience that I have. On the studio, except it doesn't really have like the violin parts, so maybe it feels a little bit more like clean. I don't know. It I don't sounds. Know. I exactly just feel like the same. I,
1: <laughs> really? Okay. I don't. know. I just hear a live band playing, <laughs> playing um backbeat with I don't know no sense of space. I, I'm not like I, faulting I, I the band like this. I like it. I it's know. really good. I mean, it's like my least favorite song in the album. But weird. I mean, this or um everyday, but I don't know. It kind of strips that like really. Hazy atmosphere that I love so much about the original. Yeah,
0: I get that. I don't know. I feel like it's exactly as as good as the original
1: in terms of quality. (laughs) Oh, because I love the original so much. What was
0: weird about this is that, like, you know, the show happened in late '96 and Uchu didn't come out until '97, which means that, like, this would have been really cool to see live because it wasn't out Mm -hmm. yet. So I wonder, like, how many times they had played songs from Uchu. And also, this just sort of recontextualized the production of Uchu. Because I remember when we talked about that album, we were like, oh, Magic Love was like the first song made. But apparently this was made earlier and like it was already pretty much, it had all the elements on the studio version. It's not like this is a radically different version. That's true. Um, So that makes me wonder like was Backbeat maybe a song that they'd had kicking around for a while like for Kuchu and they didn't put it on there or did they just write it when they were on tour that year or I don't know like the production period of Uchu is just so strange because I feel like it's just songs coming from a lot of different places and then they just put them all on an album. Who knows? This is a question that I'd love to ask. Fishmans, Modigy, if we get them on the show, just be like, when did you write all these songs? Like, what was the Give us the exact
1: dates, the times (laughs) at which
0: you wrote these songs and the day. So this, I don't know, this is one of those where like, if I was at a Fishman show and they played this version of Backbeat, I would be super hype and I'd be so glad that it sounds so similar to the record, but also like, it makes it kind of boring to talk about because there's nothing really to to say.
1: (laughs) We won't even talk (laughs) about the next track.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, so th- the next track is really like the only real dud on this album for me, and it's because it's "Every Day, Every Night," one of my least favorite Fishman songs. <laughs> every day. Yeah, I, I I got PTSD from looking at the title. I was like, "Well, oh, because what's strange to me is, you know, this." I feel like the setlist does a great job of mixing like the older cuts with like the newer ones because there's some old fish there's king master stuff there's like uchu coochie stuff but um you know i feel like there's so many other songs they could have picked from neo yankees and they picked this one
1: they could have played Walkin
0: but this is my favorite version of the song i much prefer it to the o mountain version and the neo yankees version because i think there's just more stuff happening it sounds a little bit fuller i guess so do you agree? I just I have don't no, like I have, any of them. <laughs>
1: I have really nothing to say about any version of Every Day, Every Night. Oh. I don't, again, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate this track. I would just never listen to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, me too. I was just going to say like, there's this really cool bouncy, like guitar line that they add behind the verses. That's like super playful. And that is missing from both of the earlier versions. And I think like, I don't know, a big problem that I have with the song with the earlier versions, is it feels kind of empty and sparse. Like there's really nothing happening. That's interesting. So I feel like that was the one element in this version that guitar line that actually like was engaging to me and it got me kind of enjoying the song, but overall I don't really care. And it, is not
1: that good. You want to know something <laughs> funny? What? Maybe this is just... Uh, I don't know. Um, I would, despite all the negative things to say about this track, I'd still give it like an eight. Or oh, not. yeah, no, <laughs> I mean,
0: that's the thing with this album. I mean, it might sound like we're like, oh, this album. But I think it, that's what I mean by like looking at it like a live show. Like, I think if the only dud of your live show is like playing a slow song in the middle that people don't really care for, that's a pretty good live show. So I think that's the thing with this record is like, I would say the song's fallen to uh two categories or maybe three which would be like the bottom category is songs like this that i didn't really care about before and the way they're playing them doesn't make me care about them then the middle category is like songs that i liked and they honestly do something to like make it a little bit more interesting so that they like stand on their own and then the top category is the songs like go go around this world where they really like revamp it and make a version that's even better than the studio the next track sunny blue right (laughs) Uh, oh yes it is. Can we talk about that? Yeah so finally after they lull us to sleep with like I guess Backbeat and Every Day Every Night. Yeah. There's Sunny Blue. Uh, what was funny about this is like sandwiching Every Day Every Night between two Setagaya songs like Sunny Blue and Backbeat really emphasizes like that shift in songwriting.
1: No are you saying <laughs> Setagaya trilogy? Yeah. Okay Just because, because no, it's like I don't confusing. know because
0: the way that they wrote Backbeat and Sunny Blue is so much more engaging and interesting than like Every Day Every Night. And it's just, I don't know, it's some weird sequencing
1: in It's this weird. Year. Um <laughs> sunny blue. Again, top five like hardest things I've oh, yeah. ever done. This song is crazy.
0: It goes hard. The opening is kind of different. We don't I don't think we get that sample, but there's like some distorted breathing. Something and it's like, like, like that, yeah. <gasps> it's really scary kind of. And then yeah, no, this version is just like the energy of the studio version pumped up to like 11. It's mm. super aggressive. And I know on Rate Your Music, there was initially like an aggressive descriptor tag on this album and there was some debate in the comments over like whether it should actually be there and it's not there anymore.
1: I mean, yeah, it shouldn't because <laughs> every day, every night I was
0: on the album. <laughs> but I feel like this is, you know, this is, they kind of return to that like rock band feel.
1: It's so cool. It's the so last loud. few minutes of this song. Oh yeah, no, this insane. is another
0: example of darts just like shredding. He goes in. Um, and I think it's cool that we have this live version of the song because I know the, live, the other live version that we have on Hachigatsu is like super long and it's way sparse and it's much more like chill. So I feel like this is kind of the definitive live version of Sunny Blue if you're looking for that like rush of energy. The kind of more, more, It's more close to what you get
1: on Kuchu. Or the... The other version of Sunny Blue on the Baby Blue Blue single. And yeah, the the outro. outro.
0: Like you said, Hansi is going crazy on this outro. There's a really cool crescendo to end it. And it's kind of like it it, it fakes you out because you think it's ended. But then they kind of like slowly come back and then they end it really briefly. Uh, This is my number three song on the album because it's really cool. And I feel like this actually, you know, it adds to the original Sunny Blue. And it does different things that actually make this one like worth returning to.
1: Hey, wait, this is my number three, too.
0: Now that I think about it. <laughs> Do you have a number two that we've talked about already or no? Yes. What was it? Go-Go? Yeah. Oh, oh wait. Was that not your number two? That was my number one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Hot w- take. W- we'll talk about okay.
1: it. Okay. <laughs> I'm worried. Um, so the next song is Smiling Day's Summer Holiday. This is that. It's the better version of um, Smiling Day's Summer Holiday. The longer. Not the one that's on Neo-Yankees Holiday. Yeah. It's the. I forget what it's called. I don't know. It's the version that's on that Go Go Around This World um, single. So, yeah, it is that better version, but that better version is also played at another concert, and it's played a lot better. But this is more or less the same version of that, um, just... It's really cool.
0: Yeah, no, this is just another pretty straightforward rendition. I feel like this is actually some great sequencing, though. Like, every day, every night into Sunny Blue is kind of weird, but Sunny Blue and Smiling Days have this kind of similar, like, wonky energy. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a
1: cool choice to pair those next to each other, and I know that would be really cool to see live. And honestly, I should stop comparing it to 98, because, again, that was the first Fishman's (laughs) album I ever heard. Uh, So everything I... So if I were to hear this before hearing that, like, if I were to hear the original Smiling Days and then hear this, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. This is awesome. Um, It's because you're used to that crazy version, yeah. I mean, also, this is... It goes back to, like, the mixing job. I think a lot of my enjoyment, or lack of enjoyment, comes from the fact that it's mixed so straightforward, no sense of space, Mm -hmm. Shinji's voice is too loud... That's just me though. That's Either free. it doesn't it doesn't matter though because this track still rocks. Um, talking about weird
0: mixing, that would be on the next track, which is Nice Choice from Cucho. Um, this is the only one where the mixing actually bothers me because it's like unintentionally lo-fi, or maybe it was intentional, but it feels like not that Shinji's vocals are too far front in the mix, but that like everything is buried behind, like I don't know, like a waterfall or something. Do you know what I mean?
1: I mean, I was listening to these on like, the speakers in my room, and I didn't notice that.
0: I was listening to them very loud on my headphones, and I was like, oh. (laughs) It sounds like one of those, like, YouTube videos where it's, like, what the song would sound like if you're in the bathroom at a party, or, like, if you're drowning. (laughs) And it's just, I don't know, because I feel like there's a certain energy to Nice Choice, where you honestly need it mixed, like, Sunny Blue, like, really far front. Yeah. But it's kind of just, like, oh. It's it's ghostly and, and, like, faded, in a sense, which makes me wonder if, like, the band did that because... Shinji is singing from the perspective of a ghost what's the next track uh, uh, other things on here though um, oh okay Shinji he sings near the end this new sort of vocal passage where there's like an outro when he sings nice choice and it's like different from the chorus yeah he just said so that was cool the title of the song I'm like okay um, wonderful but yeah nice I, I think I don't know every day every night is definitely my least favorite on this album just because I don't like the song but in terms of me thinking that like a rendition of a song that I love is bad. Probably this, like if I don't know, but I, I don't think I it's it. due to the performance, just the way it was mixed. Um, And the next song is Yoru no Omoi from Orange.
1: This is good. Yeah. I like I li- <laughs> I, Again, the outro is perfect. It is a perfect song, whether it's on here or on the original. I do prefer the original, but it's pleasant. We it's get, very we get good. Shinji
0: on this one singing to the audience. He says, are you standing? And they're like, ooh. <laughs> that was the other thing with this album. There's a lot more like audience participation or at least like more
1: um like recordings of the audience on the album, particularly in the closing track. Maybe I shouldn't mention this, but the only other um fishman's album that I know you hear this a lot from is a uh, ninety eight twelve twenty seven oh, that yeah, was the because one that was before that was recorded 12, In the audience, like from someone inside the audience. So it's cool. (laughs) Because it's a bootleg? Yeah, so you (laughs) get to hear it there like very prominently. But it's cool hearing it on a professionally recorded album. You got to hear that, the audience. That's
0: always been weird for me listening to like 98, 12, 28 because like it's such, we we think of it as such a monumental show, but, like, the audience is barely participating. Like, at the end of that version of Long Season, there's, like, a 10-minute pause, and then people are like, woo. And I just, like, if I was there, I'd be going crazy. And I feel like that's a big component of, like, great live albums for me, is that, like, you want to have that live energy. You don't want it to just feel like you're in a studio. To be
1: fair, I mean, I feel like they were all pretty excited at the end of 98, but, like, they're just, like, quiet. (laughs) They're, They're stunned. They're Well, I just mean, like, they're not... Um, being re- recorded? I don't know. Sure. It's like the way it was recorded is that you don't really hear the Oh, yeah. Much. Like if, if the yeah. mics
0: are facing. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I think this might have been an intentional choice on Zach's part with like mixing this. Yeah. And that's why my favorite live album, I'll plug this live album here, is Live at Folsom Prison by Johnny Cash. It's a really cool live album because like it was recorded at. Wait. That's your favorite live That's album? That's my favorite. I like that more than, like... Well, I guess... I'm not ca- I'm not counting, like, the Fishman's live studio albums. I'm talking about just, like, a straightforward, like, oh, okay. live show album. I was like,
1: well, isn't your favorite album that you got
0: to? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not counting that because that had, like, meddling. No, I just mean, like, in terms of a live album that has, like, an experience feel because, you know, like, it was recorded at a prison and Johnny Cash is just singing about, like you know like murdering people and every time he he references like a crime or like being in prison you can hear like all the inmates just like lose their minds in the background so just that sort of like audience performer interaction is cool to hear on a live album and i'm glad that it's on this album but you're no more
1: oh yeah that's what we're talking about
0: i was gonna say that like i don't know i like placing it after nice choice they kind of have a similar tone, honestly. And I, f- I always felt like Yorin Omoy on Orange was almost like a bridge to Kuchu because it had some of those, like, trip-hoppy elements that yeah, I feel like it's uh, almost like an honorary Kuchu track. So its placement on the set list kind of confirmed that for me. And now we're nearing the end of the setlist, but I guess more like the halfway mark of actually, like, listening <laughs> to the show. That's true. <laughs> it's uh Night Cruising. Excellent track. Excellent,
1: excellent Ex- track. This is... A great version of night cruising and it's my least favorite version of night cruising. That's
0: fair. There are a lot of versions. We were talking about this before. And for me, I think I prefer all the official live versions to the Kuchu Studio one. I like this one a bit more because this is actually the longest official like live night cruising. It's almost like 10 minutes long. And the guitar part? On oh, the guitar part. In the middle. Yeah. Yeah, there's a really unique part in this where like it kind of all the instruments drop out and there's just some nice uh, tonal like guitar playing. Oh. But um I don't know. I don't, I don't think this isn't like my favorite live night cruising at all though. Cause it's not doing like super interesting stuff, but I feel like honestly the, the guitar sounds in this reminded me of like flaming lips. Like I feel like this is doing some like psychedelic kind of stuff that the other live night cruisings don't do.
1: I mentioned, um, the treatment that walking in the rhythm got on its single version with all the remixes and all the ambient, um, like reconstructions of the songs. I would love to hear with night cruising because I feel it's very conducive to that yeah. but yeah. I mean Zach if you're listening get on it um, it's not too late but oh and also honestly on, I, I wasn't
0: thinking about this before but I know I always complain about the placement of, li- of night cruising in these live sets because I know like on Hachigatsu Gatsu. And 98, Night Cruising is, like, right near the beginning, and I've always thought that's kind of weird, because to me, like, if I was sequencing a show, I would put Night Cruising, like, as the penultimate track, because I feel like you don't want to end your show on Night Cruising, but it's that nice sort of, like, epic cool-down. It's that moment in the show where, like, you pull out your lighter, and you, like, wave it around. I feel like that (laughs)
1: happens, like, like, in the middle of shows, though, right? Yeah, Those live but albums. also this is kind of the middle of the show. Okay, that's true. Because they play long season after
0: this. I, I just feel like this is a better place. In terms of all the live albums, maybe. this is my ideal placement for Night Cruising to happen.
1: I like it in the beginning of like a 98, maybe even Hachigatso. Only, Gatso? Gatsu. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, I mean, that's just how it is. But I, th- I mean, it does make sense. I don't know. It's a very, like, powerful opening statement. Yeah. But it works just as well. It's night cruising. It's it's, it's really just cool. Just don't put it in the middle. For the love oh, of God. Oh, yeah, no, don't, never, don't ever, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, the final song on this album, and probably the thing that most fans have heard, is the only other officially released live version of Long Season that we have outside of 98. And, um...
1: Let's How just. How do let, you let's feel just, about this version of a Long Season? I will just spoil this entire discussion and say that every other part, and at least for me, it's these two parts. For you, it's just one of them, except for part three, parts three and four. Like maybe it maybe it's a little bit better, but only because it's just a little bit clearer. Um, it's just Studio Long Season. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> I don't know, it's cool. It's Long Season. No Problems. I think it's played excellently here. It's a perfect track. It's very climactic. It's very faithful powerful, to the studio. one. Very yeah. faithful. Um, but parts three and four are insane.
0: And I feel like this kind of makes sense that they play it at least kind of straight to the version because, you know, they're playing this in December of the year that long season came out. So mm-hmm. like and, and they were on that tour. So it makes sense that like, you know, fans would probably want to hear the, the stuff that was just released like pretty much, more or less, as it was released. And, like, it wouldn't be until later that they really start messing around with the structure.
1: Well, I mean, I guess now that I think about it, it's kind of... Because part two, they replace the vocals with the guitar solo. It's very similar to, like, 98 um, long season. I don't think they're that radically different from the studio version. It's like, what else are you going to do to part one, parts one and five? Yeah. Like, they, they make them a little more climactic and a little more emotional emotional I'm a, I'm <laughs> three and four words. yeah three and four are really the spots where you can like kind of play around and they do and they do and I think that's the only thing that takes it away from the studio version but um yeah parts one and five are, are pretty cool part two nice mm-hmm. solo so, but
0: yeah I think most people would care about part three so this is like because yeah. I feel like also part three of the studio would be kind of hard to recreate live and they don't even try they they do this like sort of dueling drum thing they bring on a guest who's uh, Asuchang from Tokyo Sky Paradise Orchestra a band that Modigi would actually later join in 1999 after Fishman's kind of dissolved but um, no this section's really cool it starts off with the same kind of like dueling drums that they have on the studio version but then you end up getting like a steel drum that I think uh, Asashang would be playing yeah it's Asa yeah and then... Um, All the, like, funky
1: percussion noises are coming. of... Oh, they're, 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 they're
0: kind of funny. <laughs> they are, but... Oh. And then you get these, like, electronic drums, and there's this cool fusion of, like, the, the acoustic drums that you hear on, like, the normal version, and these, like, techno-almost kind of drums. Like, it, it goes surprisingly hard. And I was telling you that, like, I think this is sort of, like, a precursor to Fishman's doing, like, a bit more electronic stuff in their live shows, like that Aphex Twin sample. Like, just this incorporation of these more like ED not EDM, but you know, nineties <laughs> like
1: dance music elements to their music. It's so cool. And so cool. Oh man. Oh man. Like I, I don't know, hearing all the other funky percussion and then like Modege going absolutely hard on his little drum machine. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's an energy that is unmatched.
0: And this is where the audience really starts participating because you can tell that, like, you know, they're watching not just, like, a straight rendition of a song but, like, a really cool solo live and, like, n- at the end of it, everybody, like, loses their minds and they're like,
1: yeah! <laughs> and even um, during the solo, you can hear yeah. the cheers. Um, the first time listening to this, uh, because I was familiar with the studio long season in 98, and on 98, um, part four is completely transformed. It's, like, Not the same at all. Um, So I was expecting something like that here. But they bring in that same, like, beeping noise Mm. from the studio version. And, like, hearing them, like, play that. And, like, the audience also, like, kind of lose their mind over that. Oh, yeah. It was so, I was like, oh, they're going to do it Uh, very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cool? (laughs) Cool. I,
0: I don't know. I feel like I talked to you about this a while ago, but there's this really cool YouTube video. I think it was in, like, Copenhagen. There's this dude on the street with all these like pots and pans and he plays like a techno yeah, drum set yeah. like for like 20 minutes on these pots and pans it's really cool if you just look up like Copenhagen street drummer i'm sure you can find it but that's kind of what this middle drum section reminds me of like cuz they're just going so hard but like it's really like minimal kind of equipment that they're drums. using it's just drums but it just sounds like really full i don't know i really prefer this middle section to and just the mixing of this track in general like you said it's a lot cleaner and clear, and like the the bass notes and the chords just feel kind of more resonant. So I yeah, I would say in general, like I think this is a better version of Long Season than the studio version. I don't think it's as good as the '98 version, but I also think like it's interesting enough that people should check it out. And I think people, a lot of people, if they listen to this more than like the
1: 300 people who've rated the album, <laughs> they might actually prefer this version of Long Season. Maybe maybe it would be more of a competition because I think people just there's oh there's two versions of the Long Season. No no no, there are three
0: because i know that for as many people who love that middle section of the studio long season there are just as many people where that's kind of like the turn off. like my dad <laughs> like i played long season for him you know and he was like you know i liked it when it was like a song and not when it's like an acid trip but this okay. version takes that acid trip section and makes it more of like a straight like funky breakdown so it's a bit for, more yeah i'd say it's a bit more accessible but they're still experimenting oh um last thing on this track i guess was i was looking at the album credits And there's a credit, which I... It's not for this track, it's for the album, but I assume they're on this track. It just credits girls for providing
1: chorus vocals. And I'm like, who are they? Could it be on Yoruno Amoy, too? Oh, maybe it is. Maybe, because there are some chorus vocals. But I feel like that's kind of a
0: bad thing to do. Like, Don't you want to credit everyone who's on your album? Like, Even if it's a group of vocalists, and just be
1: like, some girls maybe <laughs> before the show they're like wait we don't have any background vocals well, so they, they went out to the them. street they're like hey, hey. <laughs> girls or um, maybe it's just one person and their name is girls mm, <laughs> I don't know about that um, so if you are one
0: of the girls if you're girls hey, hit us up hit us up we are, want to talk to the girls are you single? <laughs> now they're probably like 50 um, oh. it wasn't that long ago
1: So, I mean, that's Long Season, that's That's, that Yeah, um, that is 96 Long Season. Speaking in
0: terms of, like, a show, if I went to the show at this time, knowing, like, what Fishman stuff was released, I feel like this would be pretty much a perfect show. Like, they play something from every Fishman's album, except for Chappie, up to this
1: point. Chappie getting snubbed again. For
0: the most part, I would say, except for Neo-Yankees, they're playing, like, some of the highlights of those albums, and they end with Long Season that just came out. Pretty compact show, straightforward renditions with a few places where there's like some weird um, versions of songs. I, I think, like as a show, it's pretty much perfect. It's just like as an album, there's only a few tracks that I would really return to, but it's like really solid. It's an enjoyable listen. Yeah, same. I would give it like, I don't know, like an eight out of ten probably. It's not like my favorite Fishmans thing, but it's
1: like pretty good. Wow, guess what I'd give it? Well, the perfect score. The perfect score, buddy. Yeah. Now, of course, that being said. <laughs> This is one of those um, Fishman's albums where it's perfect, but not all the songs are perfect. Well
0: also by perfect, I mean like, my thing is always just, what what am I going to re-listen to? So like, that's the thing, like there's nothing on this album where you could turn it on and I'd be like, turn that off. Like I would listen to everything and enjoy it, but there's only a few songs that I'm really going to like explicitly seek out. And for me, like that was really just like Go Go Around This World, That Really Cool Sunny Blue, Maybe The Night Cruising,
1: and Long Season. By the way, speaking of Night Cruising, did I mention this last time, the Clambon version of Night Cruising? You should listen to uh,
0: that. No, I don't think so.
1: Alright, listen to Clambon. I've never listened to any other Clambon song except for Night Cruising.
0: Um, but yeah, no, I definitely feel like in terms of the Fishman's live albums, this is way better than O Mountain, mainly just because of like song selection, because this was later in their career, like after Kuchu. They just have like better songs to play, and it has long season on it. So like, it's better, it automatically- it's, it's better than O Mountain. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um, any other general things you want to say about 96 Long Season? Listen to it. It's on the It's also go. funny to say because, like, Long Season Studio came out in 1996, so when you're like, I love 96 Long Season, people could be like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the long, Long Season. <laughs> <laughs> um. You I love 97 Uchu.
1: <laughs> um. Man. Great album. Uh. If you need a link, hit me up. It's also well, on, it's YouTube. on YouTube. It's yeah, on YouTube. That's yeah, never mind. Don't it's hit like, me
0: up. Because for me, I know we've talked about this, like a big thing for me is just like, I feel like I can only enjoy albums that have been officially released. And that's why it's weird. Because I know like with Fishman's, there's all these like uh, bootlegs and like B-sides and stuff that is on like the mega, but it's not really out there. Check out the mega. But, um, and and that's why I always feel guilty, like, ranking those, because I'm like, it's not, you know, if it's not officially released, I feel like the band didn't want me to hear it, (laughs) so with this one for a long time, like, I had listened to it before, but since it wasn't on Spotify, I never really considered it, like, an official Fishman's release, but it it
1: is, it was released, it is official. (laughs) It is official, it's just archival. The, the, The label does not want you to hear it. Unfortunate. Well that's pretty much all I have to say about um, this. Um
0: yeah, to close out this episode, I I don't know why we've never done this before, but I realized like there are a lot of really funny like rate your music comments or just like insightful rate your music comments about all these albums. Oh. and we need to look at some of them. So I went through rate your music and I found some of the most interesting comments. So uh user Ishmael Black Ah a huge, Ish. he has pretty much like a ton of um Fishman's reviews. He's probably the number one. The number Fishman's one, yeah, great reviews. Um, He wrote, Honestly, I'm kind of mixed on the cover art. I like it, but it looks very different from their previous aesthetics, and I find that kind of jarring. So that's Oh,
1: I thought it was gonna be like a funny cover. Well, some of the other ones are funny or insightful. (laughs) Um, Someone had said like, they're making fun of Ish's review by saying like, he just keeps mentioning that Fishman's does funk rock on this album.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that was another comment. Someone oh, yeah. was like, his review was basically, Fishman's is funk rock. <laughs> um, and then there was someone else who was complaining about that aggressive tag who said, like, wow, I didn't know that Fishman's started doing power violence. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, and then our friend OneChops described the album's genre as progressive dream funk,
1: which is... It's not funky incredible. enough. Incredible. But I do like that tag. <laughs>
0: um, And then... Maybe this is who you were talking about? No, I don't, I don't think so. But there was a user, Duke86Fan, who had a super hot take and said that this is a better live album than 98, because it actually feels like a live album and not as carefully planned.
1: Imagine calling 98 carefully planned. Um, that's I, not it, who I was talking you know, about, though.
0: It doesn't have that, like, aura around it. Like, I feel like this is just more chill. It's just kind of like, like, it just feels like a show. So I, get I that. guess,
1: but like, I don't know.
0: And then nah, maybe, so you're talking about, there was a user, nah, official That's who, not said, no <laughs> who said, This is my favorite version of Long Season. They're just having so much fun, and it makes me smile. And then they put a smiley face. Aw. Aw. <laughs> that makes me feel good. That's fair. I honestly feel like there are arguments to be made for every version of Long Season being someone's favorite. And I would never say that they're invalid.
1: The version on 98.12.27 is the best. So, Only because you get to hear Strawberry Fields Forever at the end. You do? I told you this it's on the track yeah that's why I was like oh it's confirmed because uh, we shouldn't be talking about it so soon we might get to it later but yeah no it's after the audience stops you hear the song wow anyway Um, so happy
0: Halloween Uh, we're gonna come through with our final two episodes I guess in the next two months there's gonna be once the audience poll is over on November 1st we're gonna record that Hachigatsu episode and talk about the poll the poll results are so interesting currently I know the uh, the top two albums in that poll are battling it out and they are within one vote of each other
1: so if you, haven't voted, so if you voted. haven't voted, you could easily change these results. Also, if you're in the United States and you haven't voted in the
0: United Yeah, United and also, if you haven't listened to this 96 long season album and you want to, like, add it to your results that you already sent in, you can just, like, send us another email or something and be like, hey, I didn't vote for it before, but now I'm voting for it again. And I'll you go back and, Discord. like, edit the results. Because, yeah, I think more people would listen to this album and I think it would rank a little bit higher if it was just, like, more widely heard. But, um, yeah, for Halloween, I don't know. Go listen to Nice Choice, Ghost Time, Spooky, Spooky Shinji Sato, Ouija Board. Yeah.
1: and destroyed by